Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and pioneer roots. This is episode number 76, and we are talking about the very best plants to choose to plant when you don't have a lot of space, if you're limited in your garden space, and the best candidates as well as for seed saving and self-sufficient and self-reliance in regards to producing enough food to feed your family from these plants for an entire year and preserving. This episode is being recorded live on Periscope, so if you'd love to be able to come in and ask questions as we're recording it, go and download the app on your smartphone or tablet at Periscope and follow me at Melissa K. Norris, and you can join in on the fun as well. If I had to only pick one plant to plant, that would be a pole bean. So that would be the, the number one thing. If I could only plant one thing that I would plant, and there's there's multiple reasons why I would pick that pole bean, and I want to share that with you today. I'm going to share with you the reason that I would pick pole beans. Well, and first off, it has to be an heirloom bean. If you guys have been listening or with me at any time at all. You know I'm all about the heirloom so that we can seed save. So that would be my number one thing. But there's a couple of reasons I say pole bean. And one of the reasons is if you are limited on space, you want to go vertical. So we can grow more plants if we're growing vertical plants than we can if we're growing plants that sprawl out and vine. Pole beans are one of my favorites because on a pole bean, they grow up on a pole. They are a vining bean. And if you try and plant a pole bean or any kind of climbing plant, then if you don't give them something to climb on when they first sprout out, they will start to send up a little trendle, a little vine after they get their first sets of true leaves. And if you don't give something for that vine to grow on, the plant will stay stunted. It will grow somewhat, but it's not going to grow and be as big of a plant as it should be. And you're not going to get the harvest and the produce and the big crop off of it that you would if you provide it something to climb with. And I swear you can see those little tendrils starting to come up in the spring when you first plant it. And if you, the night or the day that you will give them their trellis system, and there's different trellis systems, and we can talk about that for them to climb, they were literally, literally, you will see them grow overnight. It's awesome how quickly, once they've got what they need, they will start going. Yeah, if you already have a, a tall fence in place or some kind of large, um, tall thing that they can climb already, use that are a warm weather plant so if you try to plant them too early like Amanda said and you have a surprise late frost then it can kill them they they will not survive the cold weather so there's something that we want to plant so normally here where I live we plant ours memorial weekend and they get the majority of our harvest and before labor labor day so it's a, a fairly short growing season as far as the beans go so we're going to do I recommend a pole bean as being your number one thing because like I said they go up and your pole bean Per bean plant, if you take one pole bean plant and you take one bush bean plant, you are going to get a much, much larger harvest off of that pole bean plant than you will from the bush variety just because they travel up so they're a taller plant and you get a bigger harvest. And I'm all about getting the maximum amount of harvest and crop from a plant that I can. So that's the second reason that I say that I would definitely do a pole bean variety. Now, another reason that I say that I would do a bean as my number one thing that I would plant for, and this is both if you have small space and for preparedness, is because beans, yeah, you could use a chain link fence. I have used baling twine. We have used fencing. I have used just straight poles. I've used chicken wire. We, I mean, you name it. I have, it, it'll climb anything it can climb up as long as it's strong enough to support it. I've used jute twine. Um, then 
you can trellis it on that. And we can talk more about that. And I'll actually show you guys that in the spring and the summertime when we get ours planted and put our different trellis systems up and are working. So beans are really great for your soil. And the reason for that is because the beans will help fix nitrogen back into your soil. So if you've grown crops before or you don't have really fertile soil, then the bean will actually help fix the nitrogen back into the soil, which is really important. Stephen, yeah, we have done the teepee method as well. And I have to say we had about six foot poles when we did the teepees this last year. And I liked them the best just because they allowed the plants to climb up the tallest. And they kind of used the least amount of space, I thought. So right now I really do like the teepee system. I think it's one of the best of all the different varieties that we have tried. So that is the second reason that I like beans is because beans can be really good for your soil. Like I said, they put the nitrogen back in. And then the third reason that I say a pole bean, and this will depend upon the kind of pole bean that you are planting and that you pick, the variety, is because a, our pole bean, especially when you're going the seed saving method, is you get both the green bean and then you get a dried bean. It's the only plant that I know you actually get two food sources from that is also your seed source. So you can eat the dried bean. You can cook it just like you would a regular dried bean. And I have that here. This is a, a tiny little jar. And these are our Tar Heel green bean pole beans. This is the bean inside of the pod. So these are dried. So this is ready to go as seed beans. So we could put this right into the ground and plant it, and which is what I do. And then second, this is also like a dried white bean. So this can go in place of any kind of white bean that you would use if you're going to make soup beans, which I love. Throw in a ham hock, make bean and ham soup, chilies, any kind of thing that you want. This is your friend. This is your bean. Um, I've never heard of Tar Heel bean. And I'm going to be talking about that in a minute, Ricky. This um, this is my favorite bean. And this is actually a strain of heirloom bean that my family has been seed saving for over 100 years. It came with my grandparents from uh, Appalachia, North Carolina, out to the Pacific Northwest where I live in the 1940s. And we've been saving this seed all the time. Rattlesnake pole beans are popular in my area. See, and that's awesome. See, and what's really great about your heirloom seeds is you will find um, new strains all the time and they really do really good in the typical area. Can you mash them free fried beans? Yes, you can. Ricky, thanks. Yeah, I am really, I love, I love these beans. And the other great thing about them is this is, like I said, you've got your seed bean and your dried bean, which is great for food storage and preparedness because you never have to purchase your seed from the store. You are set. But when they're tender and in their beginning stage, they're a great green bean. And you can see I've got a little bit of mixed in this jar. So I've got my green beans and then there's a little bit. That's what the seed looks like when it's, this is it canned fresh. But if it, I were to take those dried seeds and reconstitute them, this is what they look like. So I get all of our fresh green beans, all of our dried beans, and all of my seed bean for next year's planting off of one plant. And that is why I say an heirloom pole green bean is my number one pick. And we get enough beans. I usually can about 65 jars, and that takes us through a whole year for our family of four. And then it provides me with all of our seed bean for the following year. And I seed save enough for at least two years plantings in case we get a late frost, something happens to the garden, you know, whatever it could be, so that I'm ensured that we have enough seed for at least two years. So there's the preparedness aspect. And then whatever else I have left is for dried beans. So my primary is for our fresh green beans and also for our seed bean. So typically we plant, I do about two, if you're doing it in rows, I would do about two rows, about 12 feet long. 
But this year we did, I did a row that had five plants on it. And then I did three sets of teepees and each teepee had three poles and then about two beans on the bottom of each pole. <laughs> so that was six times three, 18. So I guess about 18, that'd be about 18 plants, guys. But usually about two rows, about 12 foot long is is proficient and that's how much it provides and then if it's a really good year this last year we had a drought and so my beans when it was really really hot out they they were late in producing so I didn't get the full harvest that I normally do just because it was so dry and so hot here typically we're not in the hundreds and 90s and we were this summer with um, like two months of no rain and so they just didn't produce they grew and then they didn't set the bean they waited until it got colder. So my harvest was cut a little bit short, but that's fine because I still got the harvest. But that's why I say I always seed save enough for at least two years in case something happens and your harvest, you're not able to get as much as you want. And the dried beans, and that's the great thing too, is those dried beans, if they're stored properly where they're not going to get moisture, they're not exposed to light, and they're not exposed to high temperatures. So I keep ours in our back pantry, which does not have any windows and stays a approximately around 60 degrees pretty much year round except in the heat of the summer we don't have air conditioning that bean seed you might lose a little bit of your germination rate so it means if you planted 10 beans maybe only five would come up but you guys they will be good for at least five years we've planted really old seed I try to plant the oldest seed so that I'm constantly rotating our seed stock so that is why I say start with a pole green bean because those are three awesome reasons right there if you're limited in space because think about that, you guys. Two rows, 12 foot long, provide you enough beans for your family for your for an entire year. Dried beans and your seed. That's pretty amazing, right? I think that's pretty amazing. And we also do another variety of bean as well. And I've mentioned this before, but these are the October beans. So they're kind of like a pinto. Stephen, I live in Washington State on the west side of the North Cascade Mountain Range. Um, in the, up in the kind of, I'm northeast of Seattle about an hour and a half, right in the foothills. You can see actually the mountains right out my window there, um, right up there in little, in little pocket. We're about 350 feet. Um, Alabama. Awesome. Love Alabama. Well, and like I said, my seeds all came from the East coast, but North Carolina. So welcome. I'm a, I'm a Southern girl at heart, even though I'm in Washington state. How do you see seed with two kinds of beans together? Excellent question. So beans, this is great, especially with seed saving. Beans are self-pollinating for the most part, which means they don't cross-pollinate a whole lot. And it also means you can plant one kind of bean and you don't have to worry about it not pollinating and not producing fruit. And when I say fruit, I mean the legume, the bean that we eat. However, they will start to cross-pollinate a little baby bit over many, many, many years. So what we do is I plant ours on the try to plant ours at the opposite end of the garden from one another and my dad will do that too and then the plants that I seed save from I look at the plants and I pick ones the ones that are the best producers that are growing and producing the most fruit and second the ones that don't have any traits that I can visibly see that would look like they were starting to cross with the other kind of bean. So I would look for the ones that are staying truest to the form. And those are the plants that I will seed save from. And usually they're the ones that are the absolute farthest apart from any other kind of variety. And that really is only now if your neighbor, you know, who lives across the way is planting beans, they're going to be far enough away because beans are self pollinating. They're not a wind pollinated 
really they're not a insect pollinated like bees pollinated plant. I don't worry about if my neighbor's planting something that my beans are going to cross. Can stagger plant. And what I mean by that is you would plant one variety of bean first. You would plant it about two weeks from the other one. And then you would mark the plants and the very first plants that beans that were to form. Those would be the ones that you would seed save because they had formed and been pollinated before the other beans had begun to form their blossoms. So that would mean you would just have to seed save it from the very first plants. You wouldn't harvest those very first beans that come on because you're stagger planted. And a lot of times people will do that with seed saving as well with like your summer squash because squash will cross pollinate with anything in its seed family and they are insect pollinated. So that's some a tip that you can use with that. So that was my my first plant that we would plant. Our our choice there would be a green pole bean. And then second, I really do love my shelly beans. They are a great source that I like. I use the October beans like I would a pinto bean or any kind of bean like that. They're awesome and shelly. In fact I made chili with them yesterday. Oh so good guys. Keep your squash away from gourds. Yes, so your squash families will cross-pollinate, and and we can get into more of the seed saving um, on a future episode, and we will definitely do that with your squash. But so, you know, think about your your pumpkin, your cucumbers, your different kinds of cucumbers. They will start to cross-pollinate, which is which is fine as far as eating goes. If you're just planning to eat and you're not doing seed save, then don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. But if you're planting with the thought of seed saving in mind, that's when you start to really need to pay attention to these things and know. So, you know, for instance, your different kind of, your winter squash will cross-pollinate, your summer squash, all that kind of thing. Yes, more seed-saving info. We will. I love seed-saving. But um, that's one of the beauties. If you're going to start seed-saving and why beans are my pick, beans are the easiest plant to seed-save because you don't have to really worry about cross-pollinating. They don't require fermenting in order to be viable. They are just the easiest thing in the world. To seed save. So those are my pick to start with is beans. So if you want to start seed saving, start with your beans. Then the second plant, if I could only plant a few items, I would pick is a tomato plant. And one of the the reasons that I pick these is one is a tomato plant too is fairly easy to seed save because tomato plants are fairly self-pollinating as well, but they do require an additional step when it comes to seed saving, but it's really super, super easy, I promise. And you do need to ferment them and we can get into that in a minute. But the reason that I would pick a tomato plant is one is you can do so many things eating wise and preparing wise and preserving wise with tomatoes. And for the plant, like, cause think about this guys, if you plant lettuce, which I do plant lettuce, but if you plant lettuce, if you plant lettuce, you plant a seed, that seed will grow and produce you one lettuce plant. And you can keep that harvested down to keep it regrowing a bit, but essentially you're only going to get one head of lettuce from your lettuce seed. And then of course you can let that go to seed to harvest more seeds. But If you plant a tomato plant, you're going to get a whole bunch of tomatoes, right? You're not just going to get one tomato. Same thing with beans. You're not going to get one bean. You're going to get a lot of a harvesting crop. So that's why tomatoes are mine. And plus, tomatoes can be grown in pots. But tomatoes really do the best because they actually have a very... A large root system and they like their roots to go deep. So tomatoes will do the best if they're planted in the ground and they're planted deep. So if you're going to plant tomatoes in a pot, make sure it's a really, really big pot so that the roots don't get root bound at the bottom. Because I've had issues with my tomatoes in, plant, in pots before. So I've had the best look by 
just potting them babies right down into the ground and digging really deep and planting them really deep has I've gotten the best luck. So tomatoes, and I love heirloom tomatoes because they're easy to seed safe. So I actually have a couple different varieties of tomatoes that I plant together. And same principle, I try to seed save from the one the plants that are the best and the healthiest and then are kind of opposite ends from each other on the plants that we do. And I usually do about... What did I do last year? I think we did 20 tomato plants is what what I ended up with. So the tomato plants, Amish paste, yes, and I always do a paste tomato. Um, From the seeds that I don't save, where do I source them? So that's great, great question. Um, I have been seed saving my own now, but I didn't have a family strain of heirloom tomato seeds passed down to me to start with like I have the beans. So I have gotten them from a couple different places. I have gotten mine from uh, Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds, which their website is rareseeds.com. I've gotten them from there. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Black Pony. I've gotten them there. Cherokee Purple, favorite. Yeah, that's what the awesome thing about the heirloom, guys. There are so many varieties that you'll never see in the grocery store. You'll never see in like the normal hybrid catalogs. They're all just the boring red globes. Heirloom has so many varieties. And the flavor and the taste, because they're not bred just so that they look pretty, is so much more intense and there's so much more variety. You, you gotta go heirloom. I'm just telling you. Do heirloom. Okay. That's what that that's my rule for you. <laughs> so heirloom is the best. So I have gotten them from Mercedes.com and then also I think best heirloom is the other name of the other company that I have used in the past. And those have been primarily the two because I just ordered two kinds and then I just started seed saving them myself. So those are two places that I've gotten seeds from before. And then also, which I'm an affiliate for him. So we just know that like right up front, right? Be, be honest with that is um, seedsforgenerations.com. And I'm going to start putting up on my podcast page because I've got like over 70 podcast episodes. So if you guys are liking this and you're new with me, you're going to want to check out the podcast, Pioneering Today Podcast. Go to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and you'll see all the episodes. And so they all have show notes, transcriptions, and links to everything, resources. Go and grab that. (laughs) Go there. This will be up there maybe the end of today or tomorrow, depending on how long it takes me to get it edited and tossed up there. Um, But... His name is Jason. It's a family company. He actually has helped me with my website, him and his wife. And they do all heirloom seeds and it helps support their family and their kids are in on the the growing of the seeds and packaging and all that. And I love to support small families. So I'll put a link up there. But if you want to go check them out, um, I'm just going to recommend them. Even if you don't use my affiliate link, if you want to use my affiliate link, that's cool. Um, If not, really doesn't matter. So that is seedsforgenerations.com. He usually runs some pretty cool webinars that teaches things too. And he usually has some sales and stuff, especially as we go into seed ordering time, which is kind of starting to gear up. So um, I will share those two on social media and stuff as I see them come up. So those are my three sources on getting seeds that I would, that um, I've used or would recommend as far as being quality and heirloom seeds. So with your tomatoes, the reason that I love them is because, like I said, you get a lot of harvest from just one plant, which is great. And, you know, they're easy to seed save because you don't have to worry so much about the pollination thing. And think about how much you can do with a tomato, guys. We can eat them fresh. So we get to harvest them fresh and eat them because there's nothing like a fresh vine ripened tomato. Like, oh, my goodness, so good. And we can cook with them. But preserving-wise, tomatoes are so versatile. So like right here salsa, right? So all the salsa stuff you see in here, you know, we've got the garlic and we've got the peppers, all of that we grew here 
on, on my homestead. So except the vinegar, I do use vinegar. You have to add vinegar to make them safe to, to can at home and water bath canning. So the vinegar I didn't grow myself. But almost everything else that you see in here, we grew ourselves. So I've got salsa. I don't remember how many jars. I think we did like 50. So 50 jars of salsa for the year. And then we've got stewed tomatoes. So stewed tomatoes are great to add to chilies, to soups, to casseroles, like you name it. There you go. Or you could just puree this up and you've got a base of a tomato sauce ready to go. Or it can also be tomato soup. So stewed tomatoes are super, super versatile. And of course, then you're going to have tomato sauce, which I don't actually have a jar right here. I, I only had so many arms to grab it all to bring it. I didn't want to haul everything out of the pantry. So tomato sauce, which is our basis, your tomato sauce, you can turn that into ketchup. You can turn it into barbecue sauce. You can turn it into pizza sauce, you know, spaghetti, like so many things. Oh, see, Stephen, Alabama, you're teasing me. We're not warm enough to grow or okra, okra. I can't even say it. Okay. And confession, I've never had it. I know that's so bad, right? I've heard such wonderful things about it. So um, if I get to go visit down south, that is the first thing that I'm having. I'm just telling you, I can't wait. And we can't grow sweet potatoes here either. If we're just not warm enough. I See, that's what I hear. And I'm, I'm jealous. So we can't grow it, but I'm going to have it. It's on my goal of foods. Like I'm going to eat that this year. Okay. Fried green tomatoes. Even if you don't get the last ones ripened or you're too eager in the spring, fried green, green tomatoes are so good. You can pickle green tomatoes. Green tomatoes make really good pickles. So there's so much you can do. I have grated up green tomatoes and made bread with it in places zucchini. Like, you guys, tomatoes are so versatile. There's so much you can do with it. So that's why it's my, my second number one pick. And then sun-dried tomatoes, right? Sun-dried tomatoes, awesome possum. I know people will make tomato jam. So you can turn it sweet because it technically is a fruit, even though we classify it as a vegetable because, you know, we're just kind of weird like that. So there's so much that you can do with tomatoes. I'm, I'm just telling you. So tomatoes are my definite second pick if you can only grow a few things and you can just grow a couple plants and you're still going to get a really good harvest to last you quite a way through. So that's another item that I would really pick. And then if you are still small on space, a couple other things that I would totally add in there, and this is depending on how small little space that you have, if you were going to be growing and just getting into is I would do a couple pepper plants because really just a few pepper plants, they are quite prolific too. And again, they're easy to seed save and you can just grow, you could do a sweet kind and then you could do a hot kind, like, you know, whatever is your preference and pepper plants aren't as large as tomatoes. So you can definitely do pepper plants in a pot. They're really easy. And then you've got enough. And so, you know, we, um, sweet peppers don't generally work well dried, but you can string and dry the hot peppers. Those do really good. So I usually will just use the sweet peppers. I will usually freeze those is how I preserve them. I don't can them. You probably could, but I, I would prefer just to, what kind of tomato seeds beef steak is my favorite. So as far as growing tomatoes, obviously heirloom, right? I, I think I've made that point really clear. <laughs> but my other thing with the tomatoes is I like to grow a paste tomato for the preserving. So paste tomatoes generally have less water in them. They're fleshier and they're thicker. Um, so I did, um, Romas are kind of like a paste tomato, Amish paste. I did San, I don't know actually how to probably pronounce it right, but San Mar San Marzolungua. 
<laughs> I think is how you say it. And that is a paste tomato. So if you're looking to do your own sauces, um, which I really recommend, that's part of the beauty of growing your own food and being self-sufficient is being able to eat it fresh, but to preserve it up for year-round eating. So I don't buy any tomato products from the store. I usually grow and put up enough. Yes. Thank you, Amanda. Sarma, San Marzano, I think is how you say it. Yes. For sauce. So I usually grow at least um, 15 plants of those. And they get pretty tall by the end of the season. They, you know, they, they can go up to four or five feet. They probably could grow even a little bit taller, but they're a decent sized plant and they do a really abundant crop. So I get a lot off of them and you can make sauce and, and pasta sauce and all of that from, oh, Ameriglobe is good for sauce reading too. Awesome. Yeah. See, I love this guys. Throw all, all the ones out that you like for making sauce as well. So generally it'll say paste somewhere on there. So look in the description at it for a paste tomato. And those are going to be your best bet because they have less water, which means less boiling time and a thicker sauce. You don't have to let it cook down as much. Your tomato snapped your metal sticks. It got so heavy. Yeah. So I've used, we actually have, because we're in the Pacific Northwest and we get so rainy, I took an old, you know those like you, you get them at, I think we got ours at Costco and they're like a, they have the plastic over them and they have like a plastic or metal frame and they're like a little carport essentially that you can use to park things under. We took one of those, and I, um, Ricky, I'll, I'll get to that one in just a sec, okay? Yeah. So that we took because the canvas, we had like our boat parked underneath it, and it got shredded. You know, the canvas and the tarps only last for so many years, and then they rot. So we took that, and it was a metal framed one, and we anchored it down onto the ground, and then I ordered online green, um, for greenhouse, the can't remember the exact name of the plastic, but it's a specific plastic that lets the UV lights and stuff through. And we made that and it's been standing and been through some big old windstorms all of our winters. We're going on our third year now. And so I put my tomatoes in that. So I do use the cages, but then I also will take baling twine because we have cattle. So I've got lots of baling twine laying around and I will, or jute twine works is great and it's really inexpensive. And I will tie up the tops of the tomatoes to one of the top rafters, the metal rafters, so that not all the weight is on the trellis and it helps keep them up higher so you get more air circulation and less chance of rot or fungus developing on tomatoes. So that's the one thing I'll do is I'll use trellis and then I'll also tie them up as well from overhead. So that can work really good depending upon where you have them at. So that's worked really well for us. That would be the the main, two main things would be my toma- tomatoes and the green pole beans like I said, because those go up vertical, if I was really limited on space, that I would plant and then I would throw some peppers in there because I can make a lot of dishes and a lot of foods and those will produce enough for just the summer harvest that will take us through the entire year till next summer and I can seed save them. So those are my three main things that I would start with and especially if you're wanting to seed save. What I wanted to share with you guys today, for those of you who are new, thank you so much for joining, is I have my brand new book. It's called The Made From Scratch Life. And I'm really excited. It launches February 1st, but I've got some amazing pre-order things going on. And I share all about how to seed save and the story of how my family has been saving our green beans. We have got, I've got planting charts. There's a whole section, 10 ways to naturally garden at home and do natural pest control. We talk about weeds, companion planting, composting, ways to feed your soil, different watering 
just all kinds of stuff. And then I've got, like I said, the chart where you put in your first and last frost date and it tells you when you need to plant everything. And if you need to start it as starts or if it can be direct sown and when to do that, I'll show you right here. You can see the chart. See that? Isn't that cool, you guys? So I'm super excited. And we've got preserving stuff. That's just one chapter. That's just the gardening chapter. So I've got over now... 38 bucks of free bonuses if you pre-order go to madefromscratchlife.com oh Ricky I know I'm really excited so I've got the hold up again oh yeah you bet okay so here here's the book and then the chart and this is just chapter one which is called grow and it's all about getting your garden in with tips on buying seeds I've got buying seeds advice planting advice um, and then the, the first chart, and there's other charts in the book, but the first one, sorry, I, I closed it. Um, if you wanted to see the chart again, it starts here, and it's one and a half pages, and it's alphabetical order of the plant in the column. Then you've got, if you need to start indoors, the info is there, and it tells you when to start it. Then it has, if you're going to plant it outside, if you're planting your start outside, when to plant the start. If you're direct sowing, which means you just put that seed in the ground, you don't start it indoors, when to put that in. And then it has your sow date because it tells you how to figure that out from your first and last average frost dates. And so it goes down, like I said, plant by plant. Really cool. So that's just one of the first charts um, in the first chapter. So I'm really excited. And there's over $38 in free bonuses. So go to mainframescratchlife.com and you can see all the bonuses. There's a 30-day preparedness planner. There's tons of worksheets and printables and charts. There's a five-day free e-course, which is a fast-track bonus course to get you started. And for all the people who are wanting the canning info, y'all, because this one just went live. It was an extra bonus that they added. The Amish, excuse me, Amish canning cookbook sampler. So it's got really cool charts in it. It's got recipes. It has tells you how much, how many pounds of fresh vegetables you need per quart jar. It's got pressure canning tutorial and then soups and stews and sauces and how to can them and things that you shouldn't can because there's things that you can commercially buy at the store that is canned but is not safe to can at home, even in a pressure canner. She goes over that. It's all free, you guys, when you pre-order the book. Okay. So madefromscratchlife.com, you get the bonuses immediately too. You pre-order, you punch it into the form, and you get your bonuses. They're emailed to you like instantly, and there will probably be another bonus coming up, so make sure you have went in. And if you pre-ordered the book a couple of months ago, still go put it in. Get your bonuses, and it does. this expires in February, okay? It's only good for a couple more weeks, but there's going to probably be some more bonuses that come out. So you got to claim your bonuses so I can send them to you in an email when they come out along with the other free stuff. So I'm really excited. And y'all, 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 see the Southerner came out. Regular price on the book, $12.99. Amazon just dropped it to $7.49. That's crazy. And like I said, yes, $7.49. I know, right? Is that cool or what? And you get all the bonuses with it, like regardless. So 
That is really cool. And if you already pre-ordered it from Amazon at the higher price, which you can get it on Barnes & Noble, you can get it from Christian Book Distributors, I think Target has it. Like You, you can pre-order it anywhere that allows pre-orders, and that still counts. You don't have to just order it from Amazon. But if you did order it from Amazon, they've got that pre-price like guarantee thing. So if you ordered it when it originally, I think it started coming up on Amazon at like $9.49 or $10 something, if you ordered it at that price... When the book ships, this is only for pre-order guarantee, but when it ships, they will only charge you the lowest price that it's appeared the entire time it's been available for pre-order. So if they even drop it lower than it is today and you order it today, you'll still get it at the very lowest price, which I kind of think is really cool. Um, And I don't have anything to do with that. It's not me. It's all them. I don't even know how they do it, but it's pretty awesome. So if you've enjoyed today's topic, I know, right? Did you know that they do that with their pre-orders? It's like their pre-order guarantee. I just learned about it like, um, like last month. It's really, it's, it's, it's pretty cool actually. So if you're ever looking at like your favorite author comes out with a, you know, they're coming out with a book and you pre-order it, then you're going to get it at the very lowest price that comes up during that time period. And then it ships to you automatically. So the official launch date of, of this book is February 1st, but Amazon's kind of kind of sneaky cool and they usually know how long it takes for the book to hit your door and they'll actually mail it so that you get the book on the launch day like they don't mail it February 1st, you have it at your house on February 1st. Kind of crazy. I'm not sure how they do that. So pretty awesome though. So thank you guys so much for joining me today and like I said, you can go and get all of those awesome things and we have root cellaring charts like so much crazy cool stuff. Oh, are my Tario beans able to be purchased or acquired? Ha ha ha. So here's my, here's my thought and what I've been thinking of doing, guys, because I know, I know some of you want to try them, and I want you to try them. So here's what I'm doing. If, and this is the first announcement of this, if you pre-order the book, yeah, Beth, you got me, girl. If you pre-order the book, and this just helps qualify because I don't have an indefinite supply. If you pre-order the book, then I'm going to send out in an email to you the mailing address and how much to do for the postage. And if you mail me a padded self-addressed stamped envelope, and it could just be the small ones, then I will not charge you for the beans at all. I will put the bean seed in and I will pop that baby back out to you. I'm going to the post office today to find, to have it weighed. So I know the exact postage to put on there so that you don't put too much on. Um, And then that will go out an email. So go and get your book, pre-order it, Fill out your bonus stuff so you get your bonuses. And then I will send that email out to the people who have got their bonuses. So if only if you're on that email, you're going to get this info. 